behind this series is that Jesus started the church. He gave his life so that, uh, you know, we could be uh, forgiven and, and put this g- gathering of believers together uh, and call them the church. Uh, and he set out uh, to, to make disciples and to cause us and, and challenge us to make disciples. And we thought about that. You know, when Jesus was dying on the cross and starting the church, is this what he thought it was going to look like? You know, a whole bunch of people sitting in some rows, watching somebody at the front, and then after an hour go home and we're good till next week. Or was it more than that. And we realize that this, this mission to make disciples, uh, it happens much, much uh, better in circles, in groups, in smaller gatherings than it does in this, this idea. You know, if I asked you, hey, what did we talk about last week? Most of you aren't going to remember. Uh, and that's not a good thing. But that's the, that's the whole point behind this idea of not, not always being able to ask um, ask questions or to grow. And so we looked at the early church. We looked at how they did it. And they were very intentional. They were very deliberate about some things, and they were about connecting and about serving and about growing together. So we uh, had this verse that we wanted kind of to to put as the foundation for the whole series, and and we just keep bringing it up. But it's this, Ephesians 4, verse 16, and it talks about how Jesus makes the whole body fit together, which is that idea of connection, um, fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, as it serves, it helps the other parts grow, uh, and so that the whole body's healthy. That's what it's all about. Are we healthy? Are we healthy as people? And if we're healthy people, we can, we can be part of building a healthy church. But it's that the whole body's healthy and growing and full of love. So as we talked about this idea of connection a couple weeks ago, we talked about the idea of serving and volunteering last week. Today we want to talk about growing, but as, be, as part of that and before we get uh, to, uh, too far into that, I want to ask Libby to come up and share a little bit about her journey towards um, connection and seeing, seeing this uh, working out in her life. And it wasn't just in the last couple of weeks, but it's been ongoing. So Lib, if you want to come on up, if you want to give her a big hand, she's not nervous at all. She did a fantastic job last night. Hi guys. So I had a practice last night, and I think it went okay, except that I sped talked through the whole thing. So I did what any smart person would do and had a coffee this morning. And so if I start getting the jitters and talk really fast, you'll know why. (laughs) So I've been coming to Kingsway for about uh, five or six years now, but I've known Mark uh, since I became a Christian. He was actually my youth pastor uh, back in the day. I became a Christian uh, when I was 16. Um, And I was really on fire for God. So, um, you know, I was involved. I was worshiping wholeheartedly, you know, serving, leading, growing. I was always digging deeper. I was unashamed of my faith. I would tell it to anybody. Um, It was really an amazing time in my life in that respect. But when I first came to know God and accept Jesus as my Savior, I was in the most difficult time in my life probably. Everything felt like it was out of my control. I was 16 and home life was difficult with a mom who had mental health issues and a stepdad who wasn't uh, very kind. Um, I, uh, I felt like I had nowhere to turn. So home was bad, school was bad, self-esteem was atrocious. Um, God became my rock and my everything. Um, no one could stop me. And like I said, it was a really great time for me and God then. So anyway, after a few years, I became an adult and slowly my life started to become more in my control. It got a little bit easier and I started to see myself um, as average. Um, But it seemed the more average I became, the more average my relationship with God became. My fire subsided. So about three years ago, um, a good Christian friend of mine from work was talking to me, and we always would talk about different stuff, and she brought up a verse to me, and she wasn't saying it directly to me, but um, it it really hit me. And it was Revelation 3, uh, 15 to 16, which says, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And that just kind of like struck me um, because I felt like I was exactly what that verse was talking about. You know, I wasn't on fire for God um, like I had been when I first um, was in relationship with him and like a lot of people are when they first come to know God. Um, But I wasn't rejecting him either. I was still definitely a Christian and followed all the rules and did all the right things. I was lukewarm, which is exactly what God doesn't want. So I couldn't get this verse out of my head. I felt guilty for how useless I'd been, you know, to the kingdom. I was thinking about how, you know, God had given me giftings and talents and passions. And, you know, he made me who I am for a reason. And I was just living life. I felt like I'd been wasting my gifts. Not only that, but I wasn't growing deeper with God. And I wasn't growing deeper with other Christians. I had lots of Christian friends. uh, But we didn't exactly talk about our relationship with God or spur each other on. We were just Christian friends. So I knew I needed a deeper connection with God, and to do that, I needed to be more connected in the church. I needed to serve, and I needed to grow. I knew God had bigger plans for me, but I had no idea where to start. So I had really like four steps. I broke it down into four steps into my journey of, into, you know, connection in the church. And the first step for me was doing the precept study. Um, I'm sure lots of you have been to the precept study that Jackie does, and it's amazing, and it's really well done, and it's great. Um... It's called an inductive study, which means that they use the Bible as the primary source to study and learn about God and what the Bible teaches. It includes homework and studying and prayer, and there's a get-together once a week where we talk about what we've learned, and it's really great. Um, You know, you dig deep, it's step-by-step. You learn a lot, and it's really fantastic for some people. The reason it was a step for me, I only did it once, uh, was that it was really great for me to learn more. It was really my first step into getting to know God better again and to see what the study was about. I loved the discussions. Um, but I realized that's what I loved more than anything. I loved being connected with others in the church and creating deeper and more personal relationships with people, and I knew that that's what I um, needed more um, than just the precept study. So then come to um, the second uh, step in my journey uh, was a mom's group. So I um, had recently become a mother, and I knew I still needed connection, and I wanted to reach out to women in the church I thought it would be great to have some unstructured time to create relationships with other moms in the church. And so I opened up my house once a week, and uh, I got together with different moms from the church, and we just kind of hung out. Um, It turned out not to be the right fit, you know, with schedules and timing and practicality. Um, It kind of phased out after about eight weeks, um, but it was good while it lasted. What I learned from that, though, is that I liked gathering in a smaller group and really getting to know people. Um, But I I also learned that there needed to be more of a focus. I needed a small group, um, but there needed to be focus and structure, and I needed to be digging deeper. I didn't want to just hang out with other Christians. I had Christian friends. So come to the third part of my journey, uh, which I call pulling the thread. So I'd spent some time looking through Right Now Media. Um, If you don't know what that is, it's a website that the church is connected with, um, and there's tons of Bible studies and different videos and, uh, you know, sermons and different things that you can watch, and they're really cool. And I found one by Jen Hatmaker called Pulling the Thread, and it totally inspired me, Uh, you know, changed my heart and, you know, my view on different things that were going on and kind of spurred me on to, uh, you know, be a, a better follower of God. Um, I'd never led any kind of study before, uh, but God put it on my heart to um, lead a study at my house, or host study at my house, rather. Um, And, uh, you know, I was nervous, but I knew that's what God wanted me to do. So it was really great connecting with a smaller group of women and, you know, talking about what the study was teaching, and it made me think about and talk about things that I wouldn't have if I had just watched it on my own, which I already had done. Um, And I just learned even more and then got to know uh, the women in the group more, too, which was awesome. 
so I was really happy I did it, and it was exactly what I needed. Uh, but when the five-week study was up, I, um, I didn't feel uh, led to lead any more studies. I just felt like that was what it was, but I felt like everybody needed to see that study, and I didn't know if I should just keep posting the same study over and over again. But, um, yeah, so I was just kind of left thinking, what do I do now? So this brings me to step number four. A few weeks later, we were at a leadership meeting at the church, and uh, I half-jokingly said that I think every woman in the church should do the study because it was so inspirational for me. And uh, Mel said that she thought about um, doing it at her house, and so I thought I'd go along for the first one and just kind of help, help things along and get it started, and that would be that. So I went to the first one, and I remember thinking it was really awkward when the first few times, you know, questions were posed and nobody would say anything. I'm like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, Anyway, it ended up being awesome, and slowly, you know, over the five weeks, everybody started to get to know each other more, and Mel was so natural at leading, and I loved being able to just show up and not have to prepare anything. Um, and so I wanted to go back. We began to grow together and trust one another and let each other in. And after the five weeks were up, we all felt like it was something we wanted to continue again after that series. And so we started a new series, and when that one was up, we started a new one. And basically, we've been meeting ever since. And it's been really cool um, just to see the growth in everyone's lives and being able to trust each other and lean on one another and, you know, be there for each other and also spur each other on. So since becoming a part of a small group, my faith has been made stronger. I had and still have very difficult questions to ask. And I used to feel alone in this. Felt like a bad Christian for wondering about things. Um, so not only have I gotten some answers, but I've also learned that I'm not the only one who's trying to figure these things out. The curtain is pulled back. And so even though we're from a very welcoming and loving and accepting church, I still think it's natural to look at people and think they've got it all together. They don't have stuff going on in their lives. But getting to know um, the small group better reminds me that we've all got stuff going on. And, you know, we can pray for each other and, you know, we all kind of take turns being the crazy one every week, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think we've all had a turn being surrounded by prayer, and it's really cool to see everyone kind of take a turn. At one point, one of the ladies in the group was, uh, every morning she'd send us a piece, piece of scripture. And so it's not like every day it was like, oh, that's for me, but it seemed like for at least one person in the group, it was for them that day. And so it was really cool to see um, that, you know, come through. And, you know, if God's pressing a need on one of our hearts, we share it. And, you know, sometimes it's been, both, it's been practical needs and sometimes spiritual needs, but it's really cool that different needs have been met through this. And so I'm learning that it's okay not to have all the answers and that God accepts me no matter how many questions I have for him. I'm learning that we're all on a journey and that none of us have arrived yet. Just because I'm not there yet doesn't disqualify me from being able to serve effectively. And so I'll keep on keeping on. So those are my four steps. <laughs> um, at the time I might have felt like there was something wrong with me for not feeling like the precept study was right for me everybody loves it and goes on about it and you know I just didn't feel like it was something I needed to continue and that was hard for me and at the time I might have felt discouraged when the mom's group didn't pan out but again that was a step and now I know that it was all part of God's plan and I learned so much about myself along the way so now I appreciate the group that I'm a part of and I know that it's where God was leading me so I just want to encourage you with three thoughts uh, the first thought um, is kind of based off of Ephesians 4.16, like what Mark was talking about. My version uh, reads, From him, the whole body, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies, when each part is working perfectly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up. 
So you were created for a purpose. God's entrusted you with gifts and talents, and we're here to know and love God and to spread his word by loving others. We weren't made just to be Christians and have Christian friends and go through the motions. Number two, we were meant to live in fellowship with one another. Not only are we more effective as a whole body with each part doing its thing, but we need each other to stand in the gap and pray for us when we're going through difficulties. We're meant to lean on each other. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And Proverbs 27.17 says, an iron sharpens iron and so one person sharpens another. My third thought is I just wanted to say that there's no perfect formula for finding your place and there's no perfect place for everyone because none of us have arrived yet. There's always something to learn and somewhere we can grow. It's not always going to feel totally natural, but you can expect God to be there. So I just wanted to encourage you, um, if you aren't a part of a small group or you don't have close Christian friends who spur you on, then um, try and seek that out. Um, for me and likely you, you'll, uh, you'll learn just as much on your journey to finding deep connection with your church family as you will when you find the place you're looking for. That's all. Intentional. You know, not stopping at step one, but realizing, you know, there's that, that need on the inside and then doing whatever, uh, whatever the next step is to find that. And we see that kind of in the early church. And that's why I wanted um, Libby to share. And for some, even, even through um, uh, the prayer time, you heard somebody thank their small group because of, of what it meant for them this week. And so we've been talking about this idea of small groups for a while, but this idea of being intentional. The, the, the early church, they dedicated themselves. They were like intentional about, about a few things. One was the apostles teaching. The other was um, the fellowship, getting together like that, about eating together, which is always fun, and prayer, prayer, praying for each other. Uh, this idea of being intentional, this idea of being done on purpose or being deliberate about something. And, uh, but it's not just being intentional that matters. It's not just intention, but it's direction. It's not just saying, you know, I intended to do something, but to actually do it. Those are two different things. And we're famous for being intentional without doing stuff. You know, for instance, you know, you know teenagers. I, I intended to clean my room, mom. I should get credit for that. You know, I, I intended to uh, drive the speed limit officer. It just didn't happen. You know, I intended to, um, to track my financial spending. And here they remind me, I'm like, oh yeah, I was going to do that. I intended to join a small group. A few weeks ago, I heard about it and I was like, yes, I'm going to do oh yeah, I was going to do that. Uh, I'm going to be intentional about volunteering somewhere and serving somewhere, and oh yeah, I was going to do that. So this idea of intention, it being intentional, but then doing something with it is what I wanted to challenge you with in this, in this final session. Um, the the idea of connection, being intentional about connecting. So I was thinking about that, and we hear Libby's story. I thought about the, the California redwood trees. Uh, my parents were just out west, and they sent pictures home of these massive trees. Uh, that is neither my father or my mother, but it's somebody. Uh, just for, for the idea of the size of these monstrous trees. Do you realize these trees grow to be about 350 feet tall? And you're like, well, how tall is that? They're as tall as a wind turbine. So when you see them just dwarfing the other trees around, they, these things are massive, and yet their root systems go between 6 and 12 feet into the ground. You'd expect them to go super deep just like trees around here, but they don't. And the reason they stand and they're able to weather time, and some of them are thousands of years old, literally, is because their roots interconnect with each other. And as those groups of trees grow together, they weather storms because they're together. 
on their own, they just go right over because their root systems aren't, they, it's not this idea of being deep, but there's something about this interconnection with one another that when you face storms, all of a sudden you're able to weather storms. Why? Because you're not in it alone. Being intentional about connecting, this idea of intermingling, the idea of serving, and we talked about that last week, and some are like, what's serving? Volunteering. There's a couple things. Volunteering, for instance, is, uh, is one way, but other things are seeing a need and then meeting a need. What needs have you seen that you're like, huh, I should probably call the pastor about that. That needs to be met. You probably saw it because he wants you to do something about that. We talked about it last week. Um, I joined a small group uh, as well. I didn't just tell you, hey, you guys should join small groups because it's for you. I know that it's for every one of us. I actually joined two. Uh, I, I'll try and stuff always to the, to the max, right? So we joined a Monday night one, uh, which we're learning how to study the Bible. It's been cool. But then I joined a group where I didn't have to lead anything, right? I could just go and be a part of it. And uh, as we were there, uh, our group leaders challenged us this week with this idea of go, go and do a random act of kindness for someone. Have a, he gave us a card just to remind ourselves to do it. And then if possible, use that card even to, to, to help people be aware of, of the, the, the kindness that's being done in their life. And I realized, you know, this random act of kindness, you can't intentionally do something random. That's not random. Uh, but it's this idea of us being intentional. So it's not random for me. I'm planning on it. But I'm being intentional about it, but it's random for someone else. And it might be the thing that, that helps them see Jesus uh, in me and in this, uh, in this planet and in their life. So this idea of being intentional about serving. And the last one is growth. And this is probably the most difficult one to, uh, to talk about and cover in one message because it just never stops. You know, growth is a lifelong process. We're always growing. You know, as you grow this way first, and then you grow this way later, right? But you're always physically growing. And the idea is that in our spiritual life, there should be this continuous growth. We never arrive, but we're on the direction towards that. It's, it's like as Libby was talking about this journey of steps, of steps, of steps, that some, you know, we want to encourage you to be stepping, to be taking those, uh, the next step in your journey. Because Paul, when he wrote this to the Ephesian church, and Jesus ultimately who inspired Paul to write it, he wasn't really all that concerned about just people getting together only or people serving each other only. He was concerned about this idea of growth. And you see it because there's tons of growth words in, uh, in all the verses that surround this. So Ephesians chapter 4, 16, there's a whole bunch of stuff in and around it that I wanted to just show you this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, what uh, the earlier part, the first 10 verses is talking, uh, he says, I want this church to be unified. I want you guys to be so united that, that it's not about individuals anymore, but it's about the whole. And as a whole, you'll do something so much more incredible if you would just become unified, if you would just uh, get together. And he said, you know, it's going to take some, some, th some things. Each and every one of you has gifts, and I'm going to give some gifts to the church to help you get there. And this is where he says in verse 11, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers. It's one word, pastors who help teach. He says, I gave these to the whole church as a whole, and their responsibility, so here in my job description is right here. The responsibility is to equip, which is this idea of um, equipping is, is building up some, um, something you didn't have and now you have. Um, to equip people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until until who? We. All of a sudden they're looking. Yeah, one person's watching. Right. This will continue until we, until each and every one of us, not just the guy at the front, but we all come to such unity in our faith. 
See, it starts with that. It starts with this idea of believing and trusting in Jesus as my Savior and the person beside me, believing and trusting in Jesus as a Savior. You, believing and trusting. So we have this one thing in common that we are all about Him, that we're trusting, we're believing in Him. He says, so it starts with this idea of faith, but it doesn't stop there. He says that we would um, be united in in, uh, faith, but also in the knowledge of God's Son. That part has to grow. We've been talking about it in our small group, this idea of, of growing in our, our knowledge uh, of him so that we will be mature. Again, this idea of growing up in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ so that we'd be meeting and maturing in our relationship with him. And then it says, then we will no longer be like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Do you realize that there's people out there trying to trick you? Maybe they're doing it intentionally. Some, maybe it's not quite as intentional. It's like the blind leading the blind sometimes. And he says, I don't want you to be like that. I don't want you to be like kids that just believe everything that's said. Some of, some, so many times I hear in people's conversations with me that they're being deceived by things that that they don't quite under, they don't quite understand what's true. You know, when people start saying, you know, hey, God gave you that cancer because he's trying to teach you something. So if you just learn the lesson, you'll get it. You know, God's just testing. Maybe you don't have enough faith. Maybe that's why you're not healed. And it's this idea of this is something, and it's, it's like, oh, well, that's, that's probably the thing. Or I don't deserve, you know, the forgiveness of God. I had these conversations with people last night. Why? Because there's somebody, an enemy, trying to deceive uh, and trying to come in and deceive me. He's like, I don't want you to be like children that are so deceived. And you know what happens? You know, it's the famous saying, fool me once, shame on me. Fool, or shame on you. Fool me, fool me twice, shame on me. That idea of, of you know, con- con- continuously being fooled. And the enemy is fantastic at doing that. And he says, I don't want you to be like that. I don't want you to be like children in that way. Instead, I want you to be like this. That we, that we, that we all speak what? Truth. That we speak the truth because we know the truth and we speak it in love. Growing in every way again, more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes that whole body fit together as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. If we're not doing our own special work, the other parts don't grow. So the whole body's healthy and growing and full of love. Growing up more like Christ. You know, as I thought about this, we all know that some people never grow up. I found this picture and I thought, this is just awesome. Um, Some people never grow up. Do we have that? Some people? Some people it didn't work? Oh, terrible. Oh, there it is. It's like this guy on the, on the one side is trying to fix the vacuum cleaner. And, of course, Henry Cook's over here, uh, you know, with the thing unplugged, right? Some people never grow up, and it's funny. Uh, but some people never grow up, and it's not funny. Uh, and it's like you sometimes wish some people would just, oh, man, I wish that person would just grow up. There's nothing more offensive, I guess, than hearing one adult say to another adult, oh, would you just grow up? I know because it happens to me a lot. Yeah, I played on a baseball team with a lot of our church members, and one day I was sitting out in the outfield, literally sitting, because I was in the, in the side of the field where nobody hits the ball to, so I was sitting over there, and all my team members on the bench, you know, they're yelling at me, get up, get up, I'm like, no, nobody hits the ball out here, and they're like, get up, you're acting like a child, and I'm like, well, that's it, I, you know, I'm going to stand up, but I'm sitting in my heart, right, and, and as, I'm, as I'm up there, I'm like, whatever, and I come back to the bench, I'm like, come on, guys, like, seriously, nobody even hit a ball out there, and like, oh, come on, grow up, you're such a child, and I was like, mm. it, it, it's one of those things, you know, it just like, it, you instantly put up this, this barrier, this like, ugh, 
And it might be this morning that that happens to you when you hear this idea of Paul saying, hey, I just don't want you to be like children. I want you to grow up. Then all of a sudden you're like, who's he telling me grow up? You know, put up my, I don't want to hear any more of this. I'm pretty spiritual. What does he know? This idea of challenging and encouraging, Paul wasn't saying it like that. But, but this idea of just kind of opening your heart a little bit to say, hmm, do I need to grow up in this area? You know what? Growing up's not easy. If it was easy, we'd all have been done it already. Uh, been done it. We'd all have whatever. The, growing up, it's not, it's not easy. Look at kids, for instance. You know, kids have great intentions of growing up. When I grow up, I'm going to be an astronaut. When I grow up, I'm going to be the president. When I grow up, I'm going to solve world hunger. When I grow up, I'm going to be a Ferrari. Whatever your thing was. But how many of you, like, you had those intentions, and then you grew up, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't actually do what I thought I was going to do. See, because a lot of times what happens is we have these great intentions, but more people typically give up than grow up. More people give up rather than grow up, especially when it comes to growing up spiritually. It's things like this, like, I tried going to Bible study, I just don't get it. God just didn't make me smart enough. You know, I just have to let the pastor do the work and teach me what I need to know. I tried going to a small group, but there was really nothing in it for me, so I guess that small group's not for me. You know, I tried, you know, reading my Bible, but, and I tried praying, but I fell asleep that time. So, you know, I'll let others pray for me. I tried, and then I gave up. What if our kids did that? I don't know about you, but I have children, four little ones, that it's not easy for them learning new things. What if our kids gave up after trying utensils once and then thought, no, this isn't for me? They end up like that. What if our kids gave up saying, oh, I tried tying my shoes once, and oh, it's too hard, I give up. Some have, that's why we have Crocs for adults, and if you are an adult who wears Crocs, I hope you didn't today, because that's just terrible. These ones even have Velcro, just in case you can't tie your Crocs. You know, what if our kids gave up after trying to wipe their own butts? No picture, don't worry. <laughs> Seriously, though. See, my kids, they'll, they'll let me do that as long as possible. I'm like, I'm trying to teach them this thing. Why? Because obviously you don't want to do that forever. But this is idea of, yeah, it may be difficult sometimes, but we want you to grow up. As parents, it's our desire for kids. And as, as Paul said it too, he's like, this is my desire for you as followers of Jesus Christ, that you would grow up, that you would be healthy, that you would be mature. He talked to the Corinthians, and he talked to, you know, someone wrote to the Hebrews very similar things. He's like, listen, he says, I thought, in his letter he writes this, I thought that by now you guys would be teaching the stuff that I'm writing to you. I'm writing the Bible to you, but I shouldn't need to. I thought by now you guys would be teaching this to each other. And he says, but, you know, it's almost like your babies. You still need milk. You haven't gotten past this idea of growing in that or studying and learning it enough to know he says, I wanted to give you meat, but I can't. And he writes this, and it's, it's this thought. He says, I wish that you guys would grow up in him. And he's the same one who wrote Ephesians chapter 4, that you would grow up in him. So today, I just want to leave you three quick thoughts. And I know some of you think, three quick thoughts, here comes half an hour. It's not true. I tried it last night. This is actually quick. But I want you to, because the, the challenge and the encouragement to you is this. We're not here just to spend time. We're not just kind of sitting in this area because we needed something to do. It's Thanksgiving. You could be preparing a turkey and not being here. For those of you listening online, why weren't you here? All right. So, uh, but there's these things that, that you could be doing. But here's, here's the thoughts. Connection leads to growth. If you're asking yourself, how do I measure spiritual growth? Connection leads to growth. Connection leads to real growth. Here's the three thoughts. Connected where? 
connected, number one, to Christ. Connected to Christ. He's the head of the body. As you look at your own body, you see you got fingers, and you got toes, and you got legs and knees. Different parts. In the body of Christ, there's different parts. You're, you're like, well, I'm not like him, so maybe I'm not important. Not true. There's no difference in the value of each and every part in this place. They all just play a different role. You know, we'd say, ah, oh, you know, toes, they're less, they're less valuable than fingers. Yeah, ask somebody who doesn't have any. And be like, no, no, toes are pretty important. You know, feet, they're pretty important. We need them. Ask somebody, you know, who say, say they have, you know, fingers, um, but they can't speak. Yeah, all of a sudden the mouth, that was pretty important. See, the thing, though, a lot of times what we think, we think of church is this, this idea of connection with one another does not change the fact that he wants you connected directly to him. There's never this thing where you're supposed to be connected to God through someone else. Not for praying, not for the word, not for growing at all. You know, if you think about the body, you think about the nervous system. For instance, if I drop a rock on my toe, my big toe, what's going to hurt? It's not a trick question. If I drop a rock on my big toe, what's going to hurt? The big toe, right. And the big toe immediately sends a message to the brain that says, a rock dropped, what do I do? And the, the head immediately sends a message saying, ouch, right? Like, it hurts. Do something. What doesn't happen is that the toe doesn't tell the foot, oh, yeah, now the foot hurts too. Then the ankle, maybe a big rock. But it's the ankle, then the leg starts to hurt, then it kind of moves its way up, then the hip hurts, then your back hurts, then it makes its way up, then the neck hurts, and finally the neck tells the head, hey, something hurts down there. Okay, send the message back. Ow, right? It doesn't happen that way. And yet too many Christians live their life that way without direct connection with Jesus. They, they, they expect that something's going to, you know, someone else is going to tell them what he wants them to say. He wants to tell you. He wants to speak directly with you, uh, not necessarily just through what, what you hear on a, on a weekend. So Jesus said to his followers, John chapter 15, you can read it when you get home. He says the idea of growth is to stay connected. Because some of you are like asking, yeah, of course, connected to Jesus, that's great. And if you were in a small group, you would say, question, how do we do that? So I'm going to answer that for you. I'm going to ask your question for you. How do you do that? Well, Jesus answered it by saying this. He says, the way that you grow and stay connected to me is you need to stay connected to my word. Stay connected to my word. He says, you know what? The message, the word of God, if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, and you don't spend time reading and studying the word of God, you will not grow. Period. You'll have fun times. You'll have things, but you will not grow. And that's the, the powerful thought of this. He said to his followers, his disciples, he says, listen, you're purified because of the word, the message I gave you. Remain in me, he says, and let my words remain in you. Then you're going to grow and become fruitful. In our Monday night study, we're studying the, we're studying the, the life of, of Josiah. And uh, so when the test comes up, here's the answer to one of the questions we're going to ask you. What did Josiah need to do? It said for every king, they had to write out the word and then study it every single day. Study it every single day. Not just read it, study it so that their heart would stay where God wanted it to be. You know, Paul, when he was talking to Timothy, he challenged him. He said, Timothy, all scripture, the word of God, it's inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what's true. See, we'll believe any number of lies if we don't know what's true. It's to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. You know, that's powerful too. The idea is that the word will correct us when we're wrong. It's one thing when your wife corrects you. It's like, hey, you should work on that. You're like, no. You know, you got stuff to work on too. And we build up this thing. And we'll put everything in us to fight against change. But when God drops it in your heart, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I mean, I'll do anything 
to, to change. Teaches us what to do what is right. And God uses it. God uses his word to prepare and what? Equip. See, this idea of being equipped comes from his word to do every good work. So my question this morning is, are you intentional in your life about studying his word? What are you doing to be intentional about it? Not just, ah, I have this idea. What are you doing to be intentional? Connected to him. Connected to Holy Spirit is a second thought. You know, Holy Spirit, and John said in chapter 16, that he said, you know, um, Holy Spirit, he's the one who's like the voice inside that's going to lead you into all truth. Galatians 5, he wrote this, the Holy Spirit produces. Who does? Holy Spirit. He produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these kind of things. So since we're living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Following the nudges of, of Holy Spirit on the inside, that voice from the inside, staying connected. And the fruit of that, what just grows in your life because he's not telling you, hey, here, go and be more kind. Here's the rule. As a Christian, you need to be more gentle. You need to be, he didn't say that because you have no opportunity really to do that on your own. He says, stay connected to me. You'll bear fruit. Here's what it looks like. So my question is this. Do you see any of this fruit in your life? Do you see love in your life? Do you see his kind of, his kind of joy? Do you see, you know, peace when everything around you is not peaceful? Do you see kindness you know, when you just want to be unkind to somebody. Do you see gentleness? Do you see self-control? Do you see goodness when you want to be badness? Do you see those things happen in your life? My other question is, do others see it in your life? Do you realize it's the fruit of the Spirit that other people actually harvest in your life? When they see your goodness, it's like, huh, there's something about that person. When they see your kindness, huh, there's something about that person. When they see your faithfulness, your self-control, when they would have lost it. It's like, huh, what is that? And for most of them, they get to pick that fruit uh, from your life. And it opens their eyes to him. Are you intentional about listening for Holy Spirit's voice in your life? Like, I don't know. Here's another question. Do you ever pray? Do you ever just happen to say, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm listening for your voice. Would you lead and direct my, my steps today? Are you intentionally doing something to stay connected to him? And the last one's this, connected with one another. Connected with one another. Hebrews, it says, don't, don't let yourself become an island. Don't let yourself just go off and, and stay away from everyone else. A close relationship with others. Because he says, let's figure out ways to spur one another to love and to good works. This idea of being connected, encouraging one another. Paul said something so powerful to the Corinthians. He said, you know what, I want you to follow me. Like I'm following Christ. Thought about that. Could I say that? Can I be like, hey, John, you follow me the way I'm following Christ. Mark, you follow me the way I'm following Christ. Joanne, you follow me the way I'm following Christ. And yet, what I see in that is just exactly the response to what Jesus, the two greatest things that he, that he um, told his disciples. One, he said, hey, come follow me. Come follow me. And he said, you know, follow me, be my disciple. That was number one. And then he said, and the second thought is, he says, go out and make other disciples. Go out and get others to come follow you and to follow him. So my question for you is, who are you intentionally following? I know we're following Jesus, but who's the person in your life that is, that is one of those people ahead of you that you're like, they're mentoring me. They're, they're, I'm growing as I'm, I'm walking with them. And who's behind you that you're intentionally reaching back and saying, hey, I'm going to help them in this journey as well. 
The Bible talks about lots of times. It talks about the older women. I'm not going to point them out this morning. You know who you are. He, um, he said to them, he says to the older women, he says, think about those younger women and teaching them how to live lives of godliness. Why? They don't figure it out on their own. He's like, reach back, help them to follow you as you're following Christ. To the men, he said the same thing, this idea of mentorship. So who are you intentionally walking in life with? Are you intentional about connecting in meaningful ways with other believers? Not just intentional. There's been some who said, hey, you know, I need a group. i got to be a part of a group. I know i got to do this. And you've been saying that for a long time. My encouragement and my challenge in this whole idea of circles is that we create desire for it on the inside. Like, huh, you know what? Yeah, I really do need that. That not only that, but number two, we say, yeah, you know what? It really makes sense. And there's some things... That, that, that I can benefit from, and there's some things that I can bring as a benefit to this body, to this church, to the whole, by doing and using what God has given me to, to use. And the third spot is this, to be intentional uh, about growing, realizing, yeah, you know what, <laughs> I, I'm done spectating. Let's do the, something powerful for the kingdom. Let's do something powerful with, with God and with each other. So my question is this, are you being intentional about connecting? Are you being intentional about connecting um, with, uh, with, with Jesus and with others? Are you connecting uh, or intentional about serving? Are you being intentional about growing? And what are you doing about that? So I want to end this this morning with the way we started four weeks ago with this verse, Ephesians chapter 4. Jesus, he's the one who's desiring to do this. He's desiring and making the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body's healthy and growing and full of love. That was his plan. That's ours. That's it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you caused people to write this stuff down so that we would have it. Thanks for those who gave their lives to... Uh, to see it translated into a language that we understand, that we can read it in our own language and understand it and find truth for ourselves. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead and direct us into that. And this morning, as, uh, as we go from this place, I know, that, I know that you live inside of your followers and that they can hear your voice. And so I pray for, for them today and for myself that we would continually um, just be aware of and, and open to what you desire to say and what you desire to do in and through our lives. Thank you for this amazing group of people that you've called family and you call the church. Thank you for the great plans that you have for us as your people and for the world around us that just so needs your hope. God, would you pour out your love in our hearts for them? And as we see them, some of them we're going to see today as we're around family get-togethers with family that doesn't know you. Father, I pray for opportunity for us to share the hope that we have, to share your incredible love, to, to see needs and to be able to meet those today. God, for your glory only. For your purposes, we live. It's in your name we pray. Amen.